Hey, Soraya, happy 100th. Lucky 100. Yes, we made it to another milestone. Yes, and we're still talking to one another. It's a good thing. <laughs> you still put up with me. <laughs> and you still put up with me, so I think we're, I think we're good. <laughs> yeah, so we're celebrating 100 episodes, and we're having somebody on our show today who I'm really happy to celebrate our 100th with. And he's doing some celebrating himself. Or we're celebrating him. I don't know. but there's. Some... I think it's a little bit of both. But for those of you who are wondering, we will have on the one and only Steve Wynn. Yes. Yes. Our a good Dream buddy. Syndicate and so many other projects. But more specifically, he is soon to release his box set, Decade, and uh, on October the 23rd. Yes. And um but it is it was available is available yes. for pre pre order and um which is really exciting. But I don't know, Jeff, let's just get started. Yes, I can't wait. Woo. Hi, this is Soraya. And this is Jeff. Our podcast is called Paisley Stage Raspberry and Rhyme. A podcast where the two of us play music that we like and share anecdotes and background about the tunes. We hope you'll join our conversation. And without further ado, agroviar. Let's get groovy. Hey there. Hey, hey. Steve Wynn. How are you doing this morning, good. this afternoon? Good. 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 This afternoon. Very, very good. How are you doing, Jeff and Soraya? We're doing great. Thanks. We were just talking about the fact that this is our 100th episode, and we're so glad that you're celebrating with us. That's great. My God, that's, that, that's, that's a quite, a, quite an achievement. 100 episodes. That's great. And yeah. I am happy to be the one. <laughs> and we're Holy happy. Holy cow. That... Yeah, and you were one of our first guests, so we are, yeah. we're happy to have you back on. Wow, this is a great a hundred and how long when, when when was the first one so it was in late september early october so it's been about two years of 2018 and here we are in the wonderful year of 2020 <laughs> wonderful <laughs> with, a, with, a, with all of its challenges yeah so it's been mm -hmm. just over two years we've tried to do one a week but we took a break for here and there but um mm -hmm. just passing two years so congratulations Thank you very much. And I mean, what an amazing time for us to get together with you, Steve, to talk about this fantastic project, Decade, which we're dying to talk to you a little more about. I'd love to talk about it. I'm, I'm very proud of it. I'm glad it's finally coming out after two years in the making. This is so I'm, I'll talk about it till the cows come home. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it, it's it's called decade, so maybe we could talk for the next decade about it. How's... <laughs> we'll do it in real time. There you go. <laughs> what was I doing each moment of that decade? Okay, <laughs> four p.m. this day, twenty twenty years ago, <laughs> I got a sandwich. <laughs> it was good. It was good. <laughs> well, I just got back from my mailbox, and um, Soraya and I both pre-ordered the the box set and I saw that. 
Soraya should be getting hers any moment now. Mine, I picked up at my mailbox 20 minutes ago um, from the time that we're recording. Um, neither one of us have had a chance to dig into it. Uh, we also, as a podcast, ordered an extra set. So we will be giving an extra set away to one of our listeners today. And we're, we're going to ask you to help us out with that later at the end of the show. Great. Very cool. That's a, a great premium, a great Paisley premium. Indeed, indeed. <laughs> so we wanted to jump back a couple years ago when you said uh, um, you started this. Uh, who came up with this idea to put out this box set um, of uh, this decade of, of, of your musical career? Well, here's what happened. I um, somewhat, you know, about a few years ago, you know, to have, came across a box that I had stashed away forever of, of you know, like, like, a lot of musicians, like a lot of music bands, have of various things of cassettes and dats and reel to reels were sitting around. And I had run into a friend of mine, Steve Rosenthal, and Steve Steve um, ran the Magic Shop, the kind of famous studio in New York for for a long time. It was his studio. Is it that's the studio like where David Bowie made his last two albums and and um, Sonic Youth did a lot of stuff. And I did and I worked on Sweetness and Light and Here Come the Miracles and Tick Tick Tick. There, just a great studio. That went sadly went out of business. Um, I don't know a while back. Anyway, I ran to Steve on the street in Manhattan, and he told me his new gig was he was he had opened a studio where he's pretty much just converting people's collections of, of material, whether it was like you know the Smithsonian or whether it was um, the, the, um, whatever any kind of any, anything that was around. Um, uh, he was he and he just most recently at that point been given by Laurie Anderson all of Lou Reed's various cassettes and dads and reel-to-reels to, to transfer as well. So that's what he was doing, and I thought, oh, I would love to have you make sense of this, you know, um, Tower of Babel, audio Tower of Babel I have here. And he said, he said, sure. So, you know, I, I brought it to him, and it took him about six months, and then I had all this stuff, you know, and I was glad it was done, and it took time. It wasn't cheap to get it done, but it was, felt great to get done. And I, I was talking to Pat at some point, Pat Thomas, a friend, friend of the show, and, um, and he said, well, that could make a really good box set. And he told me he was doing work with Real Gone Records um, in L.A., doing a lot of production and liner notes and things for them. And I said, well, I think this could be a really interesting box set. And I, I was really, you know, I mean, I'm, I feel kind of happy. You know, I'm, I'm, I, I try to be realistic and try to be, you know, be objective about things. But I'm, I'm happy with most things I've done in my life. I've made a lot of records. I don't have any that I hate. And I, you know, I, I like them all, different things in different periods. But that this one chunk of time after I moved to New York City, and that was 1994, I kind of just caught fire. I really just, you know, you know, had that thing everybody who's a writer or a musician or creative person dreams of, where I just was writing all the time and getting ideas all the time, and somehow was also touring all the time, and just, you know, so much. I think it was the adrenaline of the city, being in a new city, a new exciting city, and um, um, a lot of things changed were happening in my life, which we can get to, including. I'm starting to date Linda Pittman, who is now my wife and was my drummer back then. A lot of things were kind of firing me up at the time, and I just couldn't. I just, you know, I had a nice 10-year run. So this box set kind of is the, you know, the, the emptying out the, 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 the archives of that run and showing it not only the things that came out, but also the, all the works in progress, showing how, you know, the demos, the things that kind of was ha were happening at the, the progress, process of the year and how it all came down. Wow. And then, and then once we had the idea, 
and Pat was very enthusiastic and very encouraging and got the green light from Real Gone, the next step was, okay, now we got to go through this. And there was, I believe, 100 hours of tape of unreleased stuff. You know, there's like so much. And, um, you know, that's, <laughs> it's a lot to listen to. So what Pat and I did is I was, I was going to be in L.A. This is about two years ago right now. I was out in L.A. for something else at the time. Maybe, maybe it was a show. I can't remember. But I was out there. and said, look, I'm going to get a room at the Sportsman's Lodge out in Studio City, which I've always, I've always liked since I was a kid. Um, I've always liked that place. And I, and I said, I'm going to get a room there and just hold up. And we're going to spend 12 hours a day for two days and just go through these tapes. So he'd show up at 10 in the morning both days. And we had our, um, our, our the laptop out there and started playing them. And pretty much, Pat, as you know well, has very strong opinions about things. Yes, and he I does. Sort of gave him, I gave him even more than myself for the, the, the deciding you know, vote on everything. We'd put on something and he'd say, he'd say, great. Or he'd say, nuke it, get rid of it. <laughs> he was, and we were, we were saying it was like the gong show. It's like he had the gong in his hand the whole time. So we hear something and say, we've heard 30 seconds and that's enough. Or, hey, let's keep listening. And we went through the hundred hours in those those two sessions, and made well, made you know made made really great notes and made sure you know these are the best ones. This is a great great A B. So however we were grading it to figure it out, and that began I mean a long arduous process that went on for the next couple of years. Wow, that's crazy. So I guess we should uh, mention that the box set includes your releases from 1995 to 2005, which include your albums Melting in the Dark, Sweetness and Light, My Midnight, Here Comes the Miracles, Static Transmission, Tick, 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 um, and then a collection of your e-music singles, as well as 57 unreleased tracks that... Fifty-seven of I don't know how many hundred hours worth of <laughs> tracks, That's right. right? Right. So um, there's all kinds of good stuff to dig into here. Fifty-seven unreleased tracks, and I think thirty-one, you know, rarities, things that were be- that were released but were you know, B-sides or a CD single. So even even those are practically unreleased. So kind of eighty-eight non-album tracks on the box set. I feel, I feel like I'm doing a late night infomercial. I'm, I'm being QVC here. You know, if you order now, 88. But but it it, it is. It's got. A, you know, you don't do an 11 CD box every day, like let's say like never. And 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 you, you know, and it's a special thing. So we just kind of wanted to make it as filled to the brim with cool stuff as possible. But it is. Yeah. It is. You're right. It's, it's all those albums, and that was. Um, you know, it it's. I can say I'd like to say that's everything from that period, and that should be enough. You know, that's a lot there, all that all that stuff. But actually, I made two records in Spain as well that came out as, um, at the time and were reissued, and that that was at the same period as well. Just adding to the whole thing, and those we decided not to include because it was its own beast, you know, a whole separate kind of thing. But um, yeah, it was all that stuff, and it did start with Melting in the Dark, which I made really not long after I moved here with, with the band Come up in Boston. That kind of sort of simultaneous with, you know, here I am living in New York, and, you know, and, and, and I really took the, the, the thing called, called the Peter Pan bus. I don't know if you know about that. So it's, mm-hmm. it's a, I'm sure there's equivalent, yeah, I'm sure the equivalent out there. Is that a national thing? I don't even know. Is that a, I don't know, but now? I remember it from when I lived on the East Coast. So, yeah, I know Peter Pan. Do, yeah. The Peter Pan buses, which you can go from New York City to from Chinatown, New York City, to, to mm-hmm. downtown Boston for ten bucks. You know, so I, 
I was kind of I went back and forth to Boston a few times with my guitar and and I had all these new songs I'd been as you can hear on the box set because one of the a lot of the bonus stuff came from the time around Melting in the Dark and I had all these songs I was just writing like crazy then a lot of them didn't make the record but I was sort of sending them over to 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 come and we went up and recorded them in a four day session now I I knew those guys a little bit I knew Talia Zedek, the singer of Come, from the first Dream Syndicate tour back in 83. She had a really great band called Dangerous Birds, really kind of, kind of more of a pop band than what she would eventually do. But she, but um, they opened for us in Philadelphia, and I just, you know, thought they were great. I thought she was incredible, charismatic, and great singer. So we, we from that, we became friends and stayed in and out of touch over the years that followed. Chris broke off from Come. Um, has a great story that he came to see the Dream Syndicate at CBGB's in '83 when he was he grew up in New York, and he came, his story is he came to the show. You know, he he was I think 16 or 17. I was 23. You know, just starting to be out there touring, and he said he said he came backstage apparently, and you know, young kid that he wasn't said that was a great set. And I said. Said thanks. Here's a whiskey. And <laughs> them a whiskey, and that was that was our encounter until years later. So we had a little bit of history, but they put out a record in the early '90s called Eleven Eleven, which um, I think came out in '92. And that was kind of you know, bear in mind you know like, like the '80s was kind of a weird time, great time, and of course the the the, found, the the foundation time of a lot of the stuff you do on your show. But it was a weird time as far as things being maybe a little overproduced and and indie rock was still kind of a new thing. But in the early 90s, the whole kind of, what do you want to call it, grunge or alternative or indie revolution was happening, and you know, Nirvana was the head of that, and a lot of other bands were happening. But there were some exciting things happening. Come was the band I just really lot, latched onto, maybe because I knew Talia a little bit, but also this is my kind of thing, two guitars, bass, and drums with guitar lines snaking around each other, and from that very earliest point, I thought I'd like to do a record with these guys. I want to kind of, because I had been doing Kerosene Man and Dazzling Display, which were more kind of produced pop records, records I like, but they were not that much in keeping with the Dream Snicket thing. But um, the, I thought, this is this is my kind of music. This is, you know, this is, this threads back to Days of Wine and Roses and back past that to the Stooges and the Velvets. This is that linear, that, that lineage of that two guitar based from, you know, magic combination. So I got in touch with them early on and we and they, they said yeah we'd like to do that and it took a while because I got sidetracked and did fluorescent because I got into that but anyway you know we finally got together and it was just a great experience and it was kind of really the first time since breaking up the dream syndicate that was making what you could call dream syndicate music melting in the dark was kind of in that sort of style and I think it was you know between the adrenaline of New York City and the 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 you know excitement of it, all that and and that they added that kind of kickstart of sonic madness to the whole thing as well. Oh, man. I mean, I'm just... I know I'm, I'm, listening. I, 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 I know I'm kind of doing a monologue, and I, I should take a no, breath. No, 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 no. <laughs> but, it, but it gives us the perfect setting, because before we even took this call, you know, I, Jeff and I were talking, and I said, Jeff, you know, think about what has to have gone into the motivation for this project, and just kind of hearing you tell us about you know, the move to New York, what that spurred in you, and then this kind of reconnecting with people and, you know, seeking out new avenues. It's 
it's just really, it's so, I'm, I, I'm like, you know, I don't have words. It's amazing. And it was, uh, it, 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 was it was just exciting. You know, I mean, look, I love LA. Forever, LA is my birthplace, and I've lived there for, uh, you know, 34 years, and have so many great friends there, and so many great memories there, and still love going back. But New York felt, in a weird way, like coming home. It just felt like mm-hmm. the, it fit in with my what I like. I love walking. I love, you know, I love, I love, you know, being out with people. I like being in, in late night clubs. I like you know, having sp- the spontaneity of, you know, that you that you get here. Where, well, I'm I'm in this club in East Village, and there's another one two blocks away that something's going on. I'll just walk down there and see that show too, right. and that really connected with me. And at the time, I was, you know, it's a funny thing. At, at that time, the, the most of what was happening in New York happened in the East Village. It was um, down, you know, the kind of clubs like, what well, at the time, well, the Mercury Lounge where I was playing and, 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 that, and a few other places. And I lived at the time on the Upper West Side, up, up by Columbia University. And it was about, I'd say, eight miles from the clubs where I live. And I would routinely go to the East Village, see a couple shows, go to a bar, have a few drinks, and walk the full eight miles home at four in the morning and then walk into my apartment as the sun was coming up and passed out. And that was kind of, you know, and it was just because it was, it was exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, it to do, and, and it kind of, it fed into all the things you hear in the box. You know, all these things I'm telling you about, that, that adrenaline, that working, meeting new people, meeting, um, Eric Amble is a big part of this box. He was a, um, the, the, the leader of the band called the Dell Lords and also, played in Joan Jay and the Blackhearts and um, um, played with Steve Irwin. He also opened and ran a, the bar of our, of, of our scene called the Lakeside Lounge, and that was like our clubhouse. Anyway, he and I bef- got became friends right when I moved here, and he was kind of my gateway to the city. You know, he he was telling me, you know, he Eric knows a lot of things. He's a great producer, so he would tell me, you know, if I have to say, man, I'm thinking about buying a you know, digital eight-track recorder, what should I get? And he's the kind of guy who will say, this, 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 and this, you want to get this, and you want to use it that way, and call me, and I'll set it up for you. Like he's, so he was kind of my audio geek guy, my nightlife guy, and um, also my co-writer. And I would go to his house, and we wrote um, some of the earlier songs in the set, Nothing But the Shell, um, and um, From a Better Place, and also we did a cover of The Air That I Breathe all on here. So he... He's also part of this whole thing where I was like, yeah, this this is exciting. And, you know, that I mean, that that kind of thing, it was just put me into high gear and I kept going. And um, also at that time, I was, um, you know, this, this is like getting too deep in the weeds of this kind of stuff, but I had just broken up with, um, broken up with a girlfriend of like 10, 10 years at the time. And I was, um, you know, I suddenly, like, you know, was used a lot of time just to crank out demos i was just i'd stay up till the wee hours and write songs till four in the morning and 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 that was sort of the, the all that you know that i don't know the, the time the energy the, the sorting things out the, the processing new cities all that kind of was a good catalyst for writing see jeff doesn't this sound like this is one big chapter of an autobiography absolutely right? yeah and the way yep. you're describing it steve it, it just seems like that like you're just giving us a glimpse into this moment of, you know, just a lot of change, transition, but also uh, it seems like just a huge adrenaline rush of new stuff. And, you know, the productivity is just, 
It's insane. 88, 88 unreleased tracks. I mean, what is that? I want I don't want to see that big box. I want to see that I mean, I, box. I want that to happen all the time. It's, that's the thing. It's like, you know, I think with, you know, with for writers, it's like when that's happening, you just feel so lucky. And you just try to go with it. It's, it's a great feeling. And believe me, there have been other times before and after that decade where I'd go a year and think, I cannot get a song going. Um, I'll be honest. This year, and we'll get into later, but you know, the, this pandemic here has been really great for a lot of things. And um, I mean, luckily, I had a lot of things coming out this year, and I've been doing a lot of painting and overseeing these projects and, and um, doing live web shows. But I've been writing that much, and not that worried about it. But writing kind of comes in bunches, and there'll be times where you just want so badly. You know, I think one common misconception people have about writers, songwriters, other kinds of writers, is that, well, if you're not coming up with stuff or if your stuff is subpar, you're probably not trying hard enough. It's like, no, sometimes you're trying too hard. Sometimes you just, you're just you're so dead set on, on breaking the writer's block that you come up with stuff that's, where that effort and that anxiety is felt in there. And the best writing for me has always come at times where it's happening so quickly I don't even think about it. And, you know, I can't think of any song in this entire box set that I labored over. You know, they all just kind of, you know, maybe I would have tweaked a lyric here and there or, or, or gone back and changed the arrangement or, or the band I was playing with might have had a suggestion for a chorus going here or there. But really, they were all written quickly and recorded quickly for the most part. And, you know, think, and what, you, what you, we said, Soraya, about, about autobiographies is interesting because I think this this box set does kind of in a way I, I hear it and I look through it and I think well that, yeah that, that's a, a big chunk of the pivotal part of my life in a way that I don't with other records I've made you know I, I mean I think that uh, records I've made since then that I like quite a bit like the Crossing Dragon Bridge or the, the recent Dream Snicket albums are records I'm really proud of and feel were well crafted but they're just sort of you know things where I went to work and at the time in and with the people I was working with and we collaborated and had a good time together and those came out of it. This feels like connecting I don't know, two eras of my life mm-hmm. together. Yeah. The wild, unconscious days of my 20s and the more um, uh, professional, this is kind of a, not the greatest word for it, but the more just kind of settled um, veteran <laughs> days, recent years. This was kind of the, the, the middle part. Wow. So, so this is this truly is a big chapter in your life. What's covered on this box set decade? Sure. Yeah. Wow. You know, it, and it really does. It's kind of like the you know once once you get past tick 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 and that last um, trio of records with the, with the Miracle Three, it's it it felt like okay, that part is done now. Not not that I stopped or slowed down, but it, that was kind of the point where I started doing other things. Made another Danny Dusty record, mm-hmm. got into the baseball project, things like that. But that was that was you know, the, the height of my whatever I did as a solo artist. That was kind of the, 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 the where it was all happening. And it's funny because I haven't made a solo record in 10 years now. I mean, it's just been so long. And so to do this thing, it's kind of like, oh, yeah, I used to be a solo artist. <laughs> and it's kind of giving me ideas like I'd like to go and do that again because I, cause I just kind of abandoned that since the Dream Snicket reformed and since um, 
you know, other things have been going on. And going back to this box set, like, oh, yeah, that was what I was doing to the exclusion of anything else. Wow. I'm super excited about this box set, Steve. And I'm, I wanted to jump back a little bit to Real Gone. And you mentioned Pat Thomas was kind of the link there. And I'm really amazed that a, a record label like Real Gone Music at this point in history um, would jump into a box set. And um, I'm, is there, do you know anything about the, that, those talks or those negotiations between Pat and the label and maybe yourself on how, how they agreed to do this? Well, I'm sure Pat could tell you more about that, but um, they, I, I'm pretty, they've never done anything like this. I mean, they, they're, they're a great label and I've got to know them and also the, um, um, the, the guy who runs the label, Gordon, who, who's, you know, musician and music fan, but they've never done anything this um, extensive before. So I don't know how he sold it or what was involved. And I kind of, you know, we're always, you know, striking the death knell for different forms of music, whether it's like the CD is dead or this or that, or it's going to be all digital music. And who knows where things are going? But I don't know if there will be these kinds of box sets will exist forever. I, you know, I'd like to think so, but who knows where that's going. And I, as we were working on it, and especially as you know everything happened this year, I kept thinking, oh my God, by the time this comes out, people will see, people won't care about box sets anymore, care about CDs, which luckily isn't the case. But um, it, it, it is, it, it, it's kind of a, it had to happen now. I mean, I, it, I'm, it, I don't think this could have happened maybe five years from now. So I'm mm-hmm. glad. I would, and I'm very grateful that they got this thing done. And they did it so well, too. You know, it was kind of like, as we went along, little details like wanting, you know, the, the um, a lot of the, of the 11 CDs, several of them are kind of like double albums. So sort of the My Midnight and Melting in the Dark and um, Well, Here Come the Miracles and Static Transmission are all kind of double albums between the original record and the bonus tracks. And I said, it would be great if we could do them like little vinyl gatefold double albums. And they said, sure. I said, it would be great if we could do you know, a really extensive book with lots of stuff. Sure, they were very, you know, they they they, they didn't cut corners as some labels might do. And I remember the day my copy showed up, I guess now three weeks ago, and I had the fear of like, this is so geeky, but I think about this stuff. What, what's the paper stock going to be like? Because, you know, some paper can feel really cheap and very kind of, you know, you feel the, the ink rub off on your fingers. And they didn't do that. It was really good quality paper. So it, I got to, I gotta, you know, hats off to, to Real Gone for doing it right for not you know not you know because it's it's if you do something like this and you say well i can save three cents per box by making it 10 percent you know worse mm-hmm. that's not fair to people who are buying it i think i think we want them you know not only the fact that i may never have a box set like this again so i want to do it right but also you know in any time especially in these times if people are going to pony up for something like that you want to make it so they don't think what it was was this garbage you're foisting on me you should have warned me i want i want people to feel good when they get it yeah and i'm glad you mentioned that because like i um like i was telling you uh when we first started talking steve i just got mine 10 15 20 minutes before we started recording and um i haven't had a chance to listen to anything but i opened it up and i was looking at the booklet looks amazing Mm -hmm. and the quality of the the cardboard sleeves and just the box itself it, it, it looks high quality. I've gotten some box sets recently 
that were more like the ones that you mentioned, um, a Pretty Things 45 box set comes to mind, where it looked yeah. like they, they just Xeroxed the, the covers. But this is very high quality. The label did a really good job. How involved were you in in the process of um, the booklet itself, the the cardstock? Was that something that the label did? But, uh... Uh, quite a bit. I don't. I didn't get involved in that specifically, to like the, the the paper stock and things like that, which I surprised actually. But I was very involved in the way the the CDs would look, um, and of course the, the the artwork and the booklet. I was very involved in. In fact, the booklet is largely my essays on each of the fifty-seven bonus tracks. I wrote kind of little stories about each one, how you know how the song was written or what I was thinking when I did it or who I was hanging out with. I took, they're all little, little little, mini essays about each of those. So that, that, that's the bulk of it. And then we have um, a lot of the people involved in the project, like, like Jason and Dave DeCastro and John Aniello and, and Linda and, and, and Pat, all and other people all wrote little reminiscent, reminiscing stories as well. Um, so I kind of knew what you know was going to, and and all the photos were from things Linda had on hand from the period, and she was there the whole time, and so with these are all, I, I was aware of what was going to be there, and I was doing all I could possibly do from my end to quality control things, but there were still some things that I couldn't know until I had it in my hands, and you know that was that was exciting, that was great, like you say, you say like I'm sorry to hear about that Pretty Things box set, but you you think. I have been in situations before with labels on different records where we would talk about, well, like one thing I'm always, I'm always arguing about, I'm always talking to labels about jewel cases versus digipacks, or versus um, um, digipacks, yeah. And I'm, personally, I like digipacks a lot more. I think they're classier. They remind me of albums. They're just, I don't know, I like, I, I like them more. And I have had many discussions over the years with labels where I'll say, I'd like to do a digipack. And they say, yeah, but they cost six cents more per per record if you do the digipack I take it out of my royalties I think like I don't I, I want to do it right you know and and that's been the case almost all the time you know I've, um, you know I'm not I'm not gonna pat myself on the back or whatever but you know I, I was very inspired I remember like you know certain cool gestures that my favorite artists have done in the past with fans in mind and one I think of is Tom Petty staking his entire career on keeping the list price down on, I think it was Hard Promises, is, I think his fourth album, and not letting MCA jack it up a dollar because they knew they could. And he said, No, you can't. I will, you know, take it out of my out of my pay. I like, I'm not going to have that happen. And that that kind of thing struck me. It's like those those are the things you do because it's the right thing to do because you because people like your music and you want to do right by them. And also because any musician I know is a fan as well. And we all know the feeling of like, God, I wish. I wish they would have done a better job. I wish there would have been, you know, why do the Rolling Stones reissues come out without bonus tracks, which was the case for a while, and they finally got stopped doing it that way. But, you know, come on. Help me out a little bit here. All right. Yeah, cool. yeah. 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 Well, it looks absolutely fantastic, and definitely I wanted to congratulate you because this is, it looks very high quality. Uh, I have uh, absolutely no buyer's remorse. It look, just looks amazing. Good. And, and I I'm wanted glad to, to hear that. I wanted to dive in a little bit on a, a couple of the um, uh, on the content a little bit, and um, if I'm not mistaken, uh, I think it's paired off where some of the unreleased tracks 
that are included with the proper albums um, are from the same time period. For example, um, Here Come the Miracles is a very, very special record to me. Uh, I first found out about it from Linda. Uh, Linda and I were in a group together, a Plastic Land group. And um, uh, we, tr- we, did oh. some, we did a trade. I traded her some Plastic Land releases, and she sent me a signed copy of Here Come the Miracles. So that album is very special to me. <laughs> I didn't know uh, that. That's, that's news to me. That's great. So um, on Decade, uh, both CDs from Here Come the Miracles include some unreleased tracks. Um, I'm very interested to jump into Bitch Pants. It's an unreleased <laughs> studio outtake. Um, yeah. I'm guessing it's from that same time period as Here Come the Miracles. Same session, yeah, yeah. We, I mean, the, the thing about Here Come the Miracles is that, 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 that yeah, I, I'm, I think I hate to have to say something is my favorite record, but when Push Comes to Shove, that's kind of my favorite record I've made. I, I really have, I just like that for not just because I like the music and, but the process was so exciting, and we. You know, that was recorded in 10 days in Tucson, Arizona, and that was um, with me and Linda and Dave DeCastro on bass and Chris Kakavis co-producing and playing keyboards. And we went in with a again, that was a case where I'd just been writing like crazy, so we had a lot of songs to choose from. But we went into the record, and we kind of, everything we attempted worked out. And they were all different. Each one had its own character, and they all felt like, like well, that, that we liked that, and that was really cool. And at the end of the day, I remember at the end of that session, actually, the tenth night, you know, two in the morning, sipping a congratulatory beer in like a little side room off the studio, looking at the list of songs and writing down a sequence just so we'd have something we could put onto. I guess, I guess it would have been a CD back then, a CD, but something a way we could sequence it just to listen to it. And I wrote that down. It, you know, I broke it into two records, made a double album, wrote a sequence in two minutes, and that became the final sequence. And every song, every song became one we used. And a lot of the rough mixes we used those. It was one things. It was everything went it went well. So there were no unreleased tracks from that session. There were no, not even a little, you know, not not a little goof, not a little thing we tried, not a funny cover, except bitch pants. And that was the one, the one thing. And I thought that was lost forever. I thought, God. Linda and I would joke about that all the time. And the background on Bitch Pants is so silly, but like, you know, I, I can't believe I'm going to tell this story. I think it's in the notes, though, is that, is that I think I was having some, you know, after a few drinks late in that conversation with Linda, telling her, you know, they, have, they make these, oh, God, I can't believe what it is. They make these pants for, for dogs in heat, you know, and they call them Bitch Pants. She says, you're making that up. I said, no, 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 it really. And I, you know, I tell her this, and we never, I don't, we always look in pet stores trying to find them. Like, I'm going to find this and show you that this exists. Anyway, I think I was in, you know, the exciting thing that get talked about in the studios, relaying the same thing. I guess I must have been obsessed with that and talking to my bandmates back. I got my God, I'm, I can't believe I'm talking about this, but I was talking to the guys about it, and then all of a sudden I said, you know, explaining it. And I said, and I started talking about it, and I can't remember what happened. I think I just started singing that or playing a chord. It was the biggest goof, just like one of those things that, that happened, but it was just funny and fun. And while we were doing it, Chris Kakavis was in a separate, isolated room with his keyboards and his sound so it wouldn't bleed into the other sounds. And um, um, he was just getting his sounds together for the song that became Here Come the Miracles, the title track. And so you can hear him kind of, he's not even hearing what we're doing, he's sort of making sounds while we're doing that. And it's just, even this, I guess the point I make is even this kind of 
really ridiculous, puerile, silly, you know, late night, never meant to be heard goof, kind of has some cool sound to it as well. Even then, and that was that was the the final, I guess, you know, unholy grail of the whole thing that we that I was trying to find. Like, where is that track? Where is that track? And I think right when we started in the box set, I found it on some cassette and got that transferred. So that, wow. that was fun. I the love one, that kind the, of stuff. The one bonus, I, yeah, the, the one bonus thing from that session, but it's it, it's really it 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 just tells it shows how well that session went and how much how excited we were and how at home we felt in Tucson with Craig Schumacher who did all the Desert Trilogy records at his studio how comfortable we were where just things all flowed so easily uh, that like, is I say, awesome. like I say there, I got plenty of horror stories when things didn't work plenty of times where you know like, like you know, it's like you bang your head against the wall and just you know wish it would work and then, then hopefully even in those cases you find a way out of it and a way through the the, the, the barrier but um, I gotta say especially here for the miracles and a lot of the things in this box set but that record in particular never happened you just like how did we spend 10 days and never hit a brick wall oh, if, if only it could always be like that <laughs> yeah but uh, that's not realistic right <laughs> but I think I think honestly I can name in my history only two other times it's happened you know, two or three. One would be Days of Wine and Roses, where just was there was no time for it not to happen. That was so fast. We did that in one night. And another was Gutterball, which happened, which wasn't even meant to be a record. It was just us essentially recording quick versions of songs I'd written with Brian Harvey just to get them documented. So that was the same kind of thing. And to some extent, How Did I Find Myself Here, which we spent five days, and there was a little bit of fishing around, but even that one was the other session where we just kind of never felt any challenges. It just kind of flowed easily. But that's, I mean, four records in four years where I can say that happened. The rest of the time, you got to kind of push and pull and think and, and examine and wonder and sleep on it and hope it works out. Wow. So those were definitely some inspired times on, on those few. And thank you for going oh, into that yeah. little story on Bitch Pants, because I know it wasn't oh, meant, it wasn't I, meant I was to be on the... Like, pro- I, was trying, oh. I was trying to find my way out. Of it. I was telling you, I was like, what am I talking about here? <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate it, because that, <laughs> that the proper record uh, means a lot to me. And knowing that most of it ended up on the record, um, other than this fun little thing that you guys did, is is very exciting for me as a fan. So I appreciate that that little story glad to tell it <laughs> oh my gosh can you, I, mean, I mean it's i mean it's been it's been a funny year because you know i mean that is the understatement of the year of the unfunny year but uh, it's been it's been a uh, last year um as being a prolific times in 2019 um a lot of stuff was happening we the year i mean i think back in you know, i i'm sure you guys are the same and a lot of your listeners do the same where right now that we're all kind of shut down and not able to do things we want to do, we remember back on concerts we went to or trips we took or things we did or projects we did from before the pandemic, and we think very nostalgically at them and almost can remember the minute details. Like, and someone joked, it's almost like you know, when, you're, when you're in jail, which I don't know firsthand, but when you're in, in jail and you remember you know, the day on the, sunny day on the beach or whatever, you remember some you had that thought. And last year is that kind of year where a lot went down. And when the year began, um, right at the start of the year, 
the Dream Syndicate, we all flew out to Long Beach and made a, did a two-day session with the band Psychic Temple and recorded um, five songs with the leader of that band, Chris Schlarb, that came out last week as um, um, his new double album, um, Houses of the Holy. And the same year we did... Um, 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 these times came out and we toured a lot for that and um, the baseball project did a handful of things and also I was putting together I recorded and put together my solo acoustic record that I wanted to sell on tour this year I made that in Texas and um, and then in the second half of the year I started going through all the material that became the universe inside and started working on that and went into the studio and finished that so I mean it was kind of a and at the same time, Pat and I kept plugging away on this box set. So it was sort of a, a year of a lot of touring, a lot of collaborations, a lot of one-off shows, a lot of longer jaunts, and a lot of projects all happening that became, ended up being a very fortunate thing because it gave me a lot to work with this year while I've been, you know, been homebound, which I haven't. I mean, I've played two shows this year, and I haven't played that few shows since I was 21. This is like a, you know, in, in a year when we've all... You know, every everybody is. You know, my my my, my situation is is very fortunate in, uh, in lots of ways. But not being on the road is a bummer. So fortunately, I've had these things to work on, and these things have kind of kept me going. And this is the end. This is the this is the end of the of the the realization of previous projects. So this is this is giving it all I got. But the thing is, I think I say that, and I already you know I, I think that we don't know what's going to happen next year. I mean, it's going to be hopefully. Hopefully, some good, very good things happening in November third, which I've, we've all got you know, ideas of what that would look like, and uh, and um, also um, a, a, a cure and 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 some type of struggling and working our way back to the life we all something some version of the life we all loved and 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 enjoyed. Hopefully, similar. Hope maybe better in some ways, maybe different, maybe adjusting, maybe a path forward. But I'm you know I'm hoping. In, 2021 there's new music to be made new ways to play music and get out to people but this year has been the year where just to focus you know just just to to, to focus on musicians it's been the year where everyone's had to figure out oh, what am i going to do and um i guess i'm saying all that to just, just to say yeah i'm lucky that i had this in the works the whole time i mean it's interesting that you say that because um one of the things that we also noted was that you've got planned two stage it shows in promotion of decade. And so I just want to backtrack a little. Yeah, this has been a extraordinary year, extraordinary in that it's really been beyond what anyone had thought of. And then when these uh, live shows on Fridays, that you were giving the medicine shows, um, it was giving us just this kind of something to hold on to. And then, you know, you've had other projects, other things, you know, Psychic Temple came out last week. And then, Decade, and now you've given us, or you're giving us the opportunity to see, you know, two shows on Stage It. And um, I know it's a rethinking of a live show, but can you tell us why Stage It? Yeah, a lot of people are asking. I mean, the, the, I, I'd say one of my favorite things this year, and among the other things besides having the project to work on, with doing those weekly shows for 10 weeks in a row, Linda and I doing our, our shows at home and the one time up in, um, in Vermont, mm-hmm. those were 
I think I, I'm. I get the impression they were they were fun for people who've watched them, and they were fun for us too, just to be you know. And I'll say the funny thing is we've done those. Ten, we did the ten for Facebook. We did like maybe five for various Italian um, mm-hmm. websites and 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 um, portals who were doing things like that. And when we started doing them at the very beginning. I was nervous, so nervous. I was like, like, how do you do this? Not just nervous about playing, but you know, all this. Let's face it, you, you got there's so much technical stuff involved. You got to know how to start this and press that and start. You know, it's more, it's a learning curve. Mm-hmm. And on top of it, the weirdness of playing, doing something very familiar to us, playing live music, playing songs, but looking at an iPad screen and just you know, and pretending like you're performing, and knowing that while you're doing that. Maybe a thousand people are enjoying it, but all you're seeing is your iPad, and that, and that and at first that was disconcerting. And by the by the fourth or fifth week of doing those Facebook ones, it became as much second nature as playing any other show. And that was a really so that was a, that was a good thing to learn. After doing the Facebook ones, we said, okay, ten weeks in a row, let's take a break. We're kind of um, Linda stayed up in Vermont for a few weeks with some things, some family things up there. It was a natural time to stop. And we're going to do those again. But in the meantime, I was had been talking to um, this company called Noon Chorus and also the stage at who both wanted to do shows. So I'm kind of trying them out. And I'll be honest, I know some people have said, well, we are enjoying it and we want to support this. But it was easier when it was on Facebook. And I, and I understand that. And I'm just kind of trying these things out now. We'll see what happens. One way or the other, When the, I mean – I shouldn't be downplaying the one that's coming up because it's going to be they're going to be really fun and doing the the two in one day is going to be kind of a cool thing and we're going to do them in different we're going to do one at home and one in a rehearsal place um, <clears throat> later in the evening and we're going to make different sets and kind of going to going to really have have a get creative with it but after that one's done then I'll see whichever one was the most fun for us mm-hmm. the most fun for the audience and then sometime later in the year or early next year we'll pick up with whichever one makes the most sense. Cause I, you know, these things for me are just ways to, you know, I'm, I'm just, I've lived a whole life of traveling and playing music and, and not just, I've never been a type, as you know, to be, I go on stage and I got the limo waiting out in the back and I jump off and take off. I like, I like hanging out with people and this kind of keeps that going in a way. So yeah, the stage of things should be fun, but whatever comes after that will be whatever works the best. Okay. I think I just did. A, I think I, I think I did a really bad job on selling that show. Let me. Let no, you, no, no. Trust it, me, it's gonna, the it's gonna be a lot of fun. <laughs> the shows sell themselves because you're right. What you gave us was a chance to live in a different way, in a different incarnation, a live music experience, which we're all really jonesing for. We want that, and so having that ability was perfect. Um, and. That's why these stage it shows, I think, are going to be so important because also you're giving us new stuff. Like, yeah. You know. Hopefully hope we're going to try to get some new stuff done. Also, I, I want to point out that um, the stage it shows are pay what you want. So it's like, you mm-hmm. know, um, they're, they have like a pay thing there and you can do what you want, but you can also watch for free if you want. So I do feel, you know, very conscious. I want just people to be able to see it. And for you right. know, I, I wouldn't want to exclude somebody because – they can't do it. I think part of the thing with Facebook, and I'll be honest here, is that Facebook is a lot of things. You know, Facebook is is a place for ranting and raving, political discourse, and menus, and and cooking, and 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 
family pictures and 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 and, and memorials and so many things going on there. And I felt like, well, I don't want the live music thing to be just part of the noise. Now, that's you know that's neither here nor there because what whatever it is, however you experience it, however you enjoy it, is 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 the right way. You know, if you, I've always felt that way. It's like you know, if you if you, you know, whatever 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 you're, as long as you're getting something from it, that's great. Mm-hmm. But I felt like, well, it might do something that feels more like a concert. You know, and I think the stage thing and new and chorus were more like a club. They're essentially virtual clubs where you know they have nothing but shows, and you look at their show listing and say, oh, look who's coming up. Um, Yellow Tango's playing next week. I'll go see that. So I want to be part of that environment, but I also appreciate that Facebook makes it so easy for people to see it, and that's a good thing too. That's yes. Nice. Yeah. So it'll be a lot of everything. Look until this thing, and I'm. You know, I'm not going to be playing music in a club until someone's a vaccine. I mean, I'd love to. I'd miss playing, but the you know, it's just not worth it. And I, you know, with the besides not wanting to get sick, I don't want to endanger my audience at all in any way. I don't want to even think for a second that my show is responsible for someone getting sick. So I'm not going to be doing it until then. And um, I want to keep playing shows in the meantime. So this is the, the way to do it. So I'm, I. And knowing that probably things won't be much different for a little while, you can definitely count on more of these happening. Um, yeah, later okay. this year. Okay. Down the fun. Actually, actually, a lot of fun. I gotta say, it's like they and, and I'm I'm very you know it's great having that I can you know in, in so many ways, but, but the, the, having an amazing drummer in the same apartment is is, is fantastic. You know, and, <laughs> and we've had a lot of and we've had a lot of fun with this because actually you know that thing bring it back to the decade box is that. Linda is the drummer on all but one of the records. She's, you know, we started playing together. She joined, she started playing with me on the tour for Melting in the Dark. The, the, the second, I went on one tour after it came out with the members of Come, with Chris and Talia, and actually with Dennis Duck on drums. And um, we did a tour, but then they all had other things to do, and I put together a new band, and that was with Linda. And from that point on, she's on every record. And we, you know, she, you, you, you know, you know, she's like the main presence on this box set besides me. Um, but in the last handful of years, with the Dream Snicket thing happening, and she started playing pretty much, she's become the 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 main number one drummer for anything Peter Buck does, and which mm-hmm. means, oh, and with Peter being the most prolific guy on the planet, she's been kept busy with Arthur Buck, with um, Filthy Friends, with the Minus Five, with Peter's solo tours i think i'm missing a few of and not to mention the baseball project mm-hmm. she's been there for anything peter and scott do and um so she's been doing her thing i'm doing my thing and we kind of stopped playing together we hadn't done a record together or a tour together in a long time so this kind of doing these medicine shows together is like we've had a great time playing music together we, we hadn't done that in a while well, we, uh, I'll just say from a fan's point of view, just watching the two of you uh, play music together, it's a lot of fun. It it's is like, a lot of fun. You guys look like yeah. you're having a lot of fun. It's yeah. really fun to see. Yeah. yeah it's such a, they're so funny because uh, I'm, I'm glad you're enjoying it. We, we, we have a great time. And the weird thing, this is one way it's so different from a real show, is there's that, that moment you know, when it's over. You've played for an hour. You've told the story, told jokes, goofed off. She's shaking kitchen appliances and things like that, and <laughs> and then you go up and you press the red button to just, you know to stop the video, 
and then all of a sudden it's five o'clock and we're in our living room. That's so surreal. It's like <laughs> we just played a show and we're not gonna, you know, open a open a beer or, or, or grab a snack and sit on the couch. It's, it's 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 one of many in a surreal year that's one little surreal thing, but always when the show is over, you know, I'm used to finishing a set on stage and going backstage and you know, and wiping off the sweat and you know, and, and going, Whoa, you know, catch my breath and go talk to some friends out in the audience. Here all of a sudden you're in a very quiet apartment all of a sudden and the show's over. I go, Well, I guess I put the I guess I'll put the amp in the closet and pack up the guitar and you know, and turn it back into apartment into an apartment again. Well what was what was always fun was, you know, you start strumming saying, Well, let's hope the neighbors don't you know, don't complain about the noise or my favorite one, one time Jeff and I watched the show and afterwards we touched base. I said, Do you see what Linda said? She said the teaspoons weren't good, that soup spoons were better to make the, you know, the sound that she wanted to make. So it was just fun to see how you improvised on the spot, but also you yeah. gave us this little glimpse of, hey, they're living our reality too, where they're at home and, and getting things yeah. done and still sharing, you know, which is great. That's the living room. That's where we hang out. <laughs> <laughs> so just, just a reminder for our listeners, the two Stage It shows, um, at two different times are going to be on October the 23rd, um, 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern, and 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern. Um, and for those of you in Europe, add your time because I'm bad at math. So, GMT <laughs> right, plus whatever. There yeah. you go. And and the reason we're doing two in one day is because um, one thing for better or for worse, stages philosophy is they don't archive anything and they don't keep anything up. They, they, they're, they're feeling, they're, they're a really cool side. They do a lot of, they've done a lot of, you know, people I know. Um, uh, my friend, Rhett Miller, who's in the old 97s, is on there regularly and he turned me on to them. And their thing is like, we're like a show. And when the show's over, it's over. So that's cool, you know, but it's challenging because people have lives and time zones. And, and fortunately, but a challenge as well, I have fans across nine time zones, right. so that's what we do in the two shows. So you know, if you're, you know, when we do the four in the afternoon, one o'clock on, in the, on the West Coast, people might be at work, but Europeans are settling into the into the, the peak of their evening, and conversely, at nine o'clock, hopefully that works. So hopefully, somebody wrote to me today from the UK saying, oh, neither of these time zones work, none of these times work for me, and I was sad to hear that because I thought we kind of covered it pretty well. But again, hopefully, you know, people can catch one. We're going to make the two shows completely different, with different locations, different songs, different instrumentation. Just you know, um, um, the plan right now is the home one. Well, by, by necessity, to be a little more of a quiet kind of like the stuff we've been doing here. But I think in the evening one, we're going to full out rock out. It's going to be oh, like, you know, man. See? full drum, full drum kit and guitar amps going. Was that? I lost you there for a second. So that was me that got lost. Sorry. No, yeah. where Jeff and I are in hook, line, and sinker. Yeah, for both shows, <laughs> we'll oh, be great, there. great. It'll be fun. I love that you're calling it the decade double header because the double header yeah. to me reminds me of Baseball Project, right? So yeah. When I hear double header, so I love that you're calling it that. So the official release date is October 23rd for Decade. Mm-hmm. Um, some of us are fortunate to get the pre-order. What's the best way for our listeners to get it? Should they go to Real Gone Music? Should they go to stevewin.net? Or should they put in for our contest and win it? 
They should number one put it in for your contest and win it because yeah. we're here. We're here right now on your on your show, and I, lo- I love the I love that you're doing that. So that's a great way of doing it. But otherwise, it's great if you go to my website because if you go to my website, it's autographed and personalized. So that's if you if you have something you want to have done, you get that's a that's a nice thing to have. Um, of course, I want people to have it any way they want. I want go to your favorite local record store. You have to go to your support support record stores who are having a hard time right now and hopefully most of them will be carrying it but if you ask me i'm biased and i'll say i go to my website steveland.net <laughs> 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 for those of you looking anyway, for a pen and paper if it's all about the music any way you any way you want to get it is the right way absolutely oh my gosh all right so we have one copy that we want to give to one of our listeners um to celebrate our hundredth episode um and uh Thank you, Soraya, for this yeah. box set that we're giving away here. But, Steve, we wanted you to um, help us out uh, in picking a listener. And we're not going to put the pressure on you to pick a single person. So we're just going to have you pick a number. And we were thinking a number between 1 and 10. And then we'll go from there and um, give a lucky listener a, a copy of Steve Wynn's new box set, Decade. Yep. So what what we ask of you is to pick a number between 1 and 10, and then a lucky listener will get a copy. So you want me to tell you right now? You want me to actually to yes, say the please. number? Yeah. Yes. I will, go, I will go with 3 for the Miracle 3. Beautiful. Ex- excellent, excellent. And we will send out uh, an announcement to the winner of our contest, and the lucky number will be 3 yes. for the Miracle 3. Um Steve didn't have any numbers of who they were assigned to, so he's not picking anybody in particular. So, but um, okay, good, good. Yeah. There's no, no fix. There's no. It's not a scandal. Nothing going on here. No, no, no. This is all on the up and up. But number three is a good number, and there you go, okay. Miracle Three. Why not? Yeah, why not? Yeah. All right, Steve. Well, we'll be in the audience on this. These two stage it performances. Uh, the one o'clock for us on October third. 1 o'clock p.m. for Pacific Standard Time for us, um, or Pacific Daylight Time still, right? Because yeah, we, we switch over on November 1st, whatever. Yeah. Um, and then later in the evening, we're gonna, it sounds like we're going to hear a rocking set. So. Oh, my gosh, I can't wait. So we'll be Steve, having fun. I'm glad, I'm glad you'll be there. That's great. And I'm, oh. I'm so happy to be your 100th show. That's, 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 uh, that's wonderful. That's Thank great. you so much. We, we couldn't be happier. The best well, way to, congr- to celebrate. Huge congratulations. I, I tell you all the time, thanks for letting people know about this music that we that we all started in you know tiny clubs back in 1982 and sort of you know took on a life of its own that's it's it's it's, it's been great well we've really enjoyed it and we are anxious to get into the decade box set and uh okay i have to ask the question right i have to if this is this decade uh 95 to 2005 is there another box of tapes that takes place after 2006? There are, and, and before that period as well, but not that kind of volume. Not that, not that, there's, not, you know, there's no period where there's so much stuff. I mean, there's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of stuff we didn't use from this decade, you know. And it's, and it's not going to happen, but you, we could easily have several more discs of stuff from this period. After that, not quite as much. I mean, one thing I'll say is that and I kind of joke about this, this besides other things, this box set is sort of the, the story of my home recording life. Because I've kind of, from the, I've always been kind of a home recording nut, even before the Dream Syndicate. But before the Dream Syndicate, I had a real reel in my basement, you know, where I was living. 
and through that I went to four track cassette machines to a thing called ADAT, which is an eight track digital machine, to a hard disk recorder, to eventually GarageBand, to eventually Logic. So I've kind of, you know, I've got a pathway. I've always been into making demos at home. And during the period of this decade thing, I was really, really, really doing, you know, as much inspired by songwriting, I was also inspired by learning how to do that stuff. So the, the excitement over the home recording kind of fueled songwriting at the same time. So that's, there's, that's why there's so much then. And since then, there's a lot, but not the same, not quite that, not quite that amount. Okay. This, I, is, this, is a unique, this is a unique kind of thing. This is just like a, yeah, that's just a, a unique period. Um, well, even even more reason for people to make sure that they have this because this is really an amazing project and from idea to curation to production. Uh, October 23rd, the box set is officially released, but as Steve mentioned, you can go to stevewin.net and order it and get yourself a personalized autographed copy, which Jeff and I have taken advantage of that opportunity. Yeah, yes. Um, and on the same day, make sure you get to see these live shows available at two separate times on October the 23rd, 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern, and 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern. That's I a doubleheader. Oh, my on. gosh. You know, we've said it before. Steve Wynn is one of the hardest working men in show business. They used to say that about James Brown, but I think we can say it pretty, pretty effectively about Steve Wynn. It doesn't feel like work. It's just what I enjoy doing. So that's you know, I got. It's not. It's not, no problem. I, 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 there'll be a lot more to come, and you know, this is just what I. I, I like doing this. I like I like the people, and I'm I'm grateful that people enjoy it. And you know, there'll be a lot more down the road. Next year's going to be a lot of new music, I'm sure. And um, but but for now, there's this, and you know, I hope. And in, in the in the. Needless to say, every everyone should know this, but in the middle of seeing the stages show and checking the box set and listening to your show and all those things, I hope all your listeners will vote, 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 get out there and don't forget we're you know that you'll be we'll be talking about that a lot during the shows as well. That this is the time. Do it soon. Yes, my ballots just arrived today hey. with my decade box set, and that's no lie. <laughs> my, my California combo. My, my California vote. So there you go. All right, Steve, we wanted to thank you so much for celebrating our 100th episode with us and celebrating Steve Wynn with this new box set that looks absolutely amazing. And as Soraya said, I just can't wait to dig in. Thank you so much for doing this, and we'll see you um, on Stage It. See you on Stage It, and you are, by the way, you were still the people I saw at the last show I played, so hopefully I'll see you at another one soon as well. Yes! We'd love that. We'd love that. Awesome. All right. Take care of yourself. Be well. Yes. You take care too and be well. Yep. Stay safe. Okay. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye, Steve. Bye. All right, Soraya. What did you think about celebrating our 100th episode with Steve Wynn talking about this box set decade? I like it. (laughs) I like it. I mean, I don't think there's a better way to close out 100 episodes than with Steve Wynn talking about decade. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it it totally fits our scope. Um, Looking back at some great music, and this really does look fantastic. I mean, this is top-notch, this box set. The booklet looks amazing. The quality 
looks amazing. Uh, it it's totally worth, um, totally worth the price. That's for sure. The price of admission, well, well worth it. What I find incredible is that it took him and Pat two days. It took him and Pat Thomas two days to go through. I mean an incredible amount of material yeah and and say yay or nay and the fact that steve said at the end there's a lot we didn't use blowing my mind yes because i'm already just kind of tripping at the fact that there's 88 unreleased tracks in this set yeah and who knows how much else is just kind of hanging back in his own personal archive his home recording archive yep and we're planning to have Pat on very shortly, within the next couple of weeks, in fact. So I'm really curious to hear how that goes uh, from Pat's vantage point. And shacked up with Steve Wynn in this hotel room, right? In San Fernando Valley, right? Is that where? Yeah, it is? in yeah. Studio City at the Sportsman Lodge. Yeah. Which, I mean, he said Pat would walk in at 10 and they just start going back. I mean... It's amazing when you think about it. I mean, for any artist to go back through their own production and then say, you know, I want to put together a collection of a particular time where I saw this, this, and this happen as an artist. And I want to share that with um, music fans. That's incredible. And then, but just over the course of two years to go through that much material, put it together, find someone, um, you know, who would go through it and, um, and share the vision and put it out. Yep. And it could not have been a better time to give us something like this. I agree. I mean, I think we're all just kind of... We're all looking forward, right, to a different time, to different things, and I think we're all looking. We're all looking for. Please give us something new. You know. Yes. Yes. There's only so much sourdough bread a, a sister can bake, but you know, but you know, like new music and shows, and you know, look at what he's given us. He's given us a box set, and he's given us a couple of opportunities to see him play live. With Linda, and I am super duper curious about who else is going to be in that rehearsal space for that 6 p.m. show on stages. Yes, yeah. I'm here for all of it. Me too. And I do like uh, how Steve mentioned that stage it does it where it's a, a personal experience. So um, it's unfortunate that if you're not available at that time that you can't watch it later, that it's not archived. It, there's something special about being at a performance, even um, in this unfortunate times where it has to be virtually, where right. you're experiencing that live with the artist, and then that experience um, is mm-hmm. no longer available, but that experience is there to remember. Right. Uh, I think that's something special. So I'm I'm looking forward to it. I'm glad that he's doing it this way and see how it goes. You know, and for the times that we're living in, that's as live as you can get you know to mimic the experience of being in a live show and you know you and i have talked about this a lot and anyone who follows jeff on youtube knows 
he's got a lot of video from a lot of shows that he's gone to. But um, a couple of years ago, I stopped recording because I was detaching myself from that live experience from that moment. Right. Now, I, I, I go through your channel, I go through other people's channels, I'm like, I just need to see a live show, <laughs> even if it's a video. But um, you're right. To live that experience in the moment, in real time, it's really, it's really uh, something special. This is the way we're doing it. Yep. I'm looking forward to it. Sorry if I got cut off there. No, I got you. I blame the neighborhood kids (laughs) trying to get their schooling in the neighborhood. But, um, and then uh, just last reminder, uh, official release date is October the 23rd. Stage it show also October the 23rd at 1 p.m. Pacific and 6 p.m. Pacific. And again, Steve mentioned, you know, if you want to order Decade, go to your local record record store or you can order it from him from his online store stevewin.net but also you can order it from real gone records as well yeah so that's shop.realgonemusic.com and uh, they, they also have it va- available um, i like going directly to the artist so stevewin.net is what i would recommend but you have several outlets even more than what we mentioned of course but right. yeah do yourself a favor and go order this and, incredible, incredible. And hopefully, after our little outro music, you will be hearing the winner of the box set that we're giving away. Uh, thank you, yeah. Soraya, for that. So, and just a little extra added beautiful detail. Um, this is signed, but not personalized. So you're really getting something special. You're getting the box set. Yes, it's out of the wrapper. <laughs> because it is signed. it is signed by steve not by yeah, us but it's not personalized <laughs> but it is signed but it is steve signed one. yes yes so, so you're getting anyways. a signed box set and you might even get a paisley stage bump uh sticker or a, a button or something Pin. too in that, in that package too so you know uh you know two very valuable things <laughs> yes. In that package. yes all right so anyways mi gente how do we add Groove on, Paisley people. Thursday night, 8 p.m. Pacific Daylight Time. We're ready to pick a winner. Let's do it. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Okay, so let me share my screen. That way you see that all the names are there. Okay, so you see that there are all these lovely people. We had 14 entrants. Um, And let me just uh, say a huge thank you to those of you who entered, uh, David Martinez, Dominic Dragotto, Hassan Alamdari, uh, Dean Michele, um, Patrick Rose, Bradley Scott, Steve Crabtree, Dave Swanson, Tim Pendergast, Ricky Soltero, Robin Summerfield, John Simandiras, Jens Jakob Sorensen, and Jim Strong. All right, good luck, everybody.
And we had international entries. One guy's in Greece, one guy's in Germany. Oh, is that right? Yeah, man. Pretty uh, dope. All right. So, Jeff, 14 names. They're in the randomizer. We're going to let the randomizer pick Steve's number, which is? Steve picked number three. Boom. All right. Tell me when to go. All right. And the reason why he... He picked number three was the miracle three, right? The miracle so, three. So Steve is the one who is picking what the winner number is. So we're going to randomize it. And whoever falls in spot number three is our winner. Is our winner so winner. I say we, we ship and we ship internationally. <laughs> yes, we do. We didn't make any distinctions. So. Nope. All right. And uh, just in case people are wondering, they are in the order of the receipt of the submission. Perfect. All right. All right, I'm going to count down ready? from three. Okay. All right, three, two, one. It's randomizing. And our winner is? Robin Summerfield. Congratulations, Robin. Woo! You are the winner of a signed Steve Wynn 11 CD box set. That is pretty amazing. And Jeff, hats off to you for our 100th episode and a pretty amazing giveaway. Woohoo, agreed, agreed. Thank you for being an awesome co-host and running this show. <laughs> uh, no, that's all you, uh, you just let me hang on to your coattails, so I appreciate that. But uh, folks, everyone who entered, thank you. And to all our listeners, thank you so much for making 100 episodes seem like nothing at all. Yes. And uh, we're looking forward to numbers 101 to 200. <laughs> yes, we are. <laughs> All right. So, bueno, gente, agruviar. Prove on, Paisley people. Ha! Ha! How's that one going? <laughs> <laughs> one, two, three. Please pass. One, two, three. Come on, bring me in. Can I take it to the pants? Can I take it to the pants? Can I get to the pants? One, two, three.
Bulldog track. <laughs> Bitch, pass. There's your Levi's here. <laughs>